As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. everybody what's up welcome into the athletic fantasy football podcast it is tuesday july 5th this is our first two episode week of the 2022 season so that means from this week until i don't know like 2023 we're going to be coming to you multiple times every single week get pumped fantasy football season is here michael beller jake seeley brandon funston here with you as we are going to be so many times get acquainted get ready get us in your ears because we're going to be here for a long long time brandon funston what's going on man how was your holiday weekend uh it was spent out in the wild two days off the grid pooping in the woods uh yeah okay yep did some did some hiking uh (laughs) did it uh did it very rustically and uh but it was nice it was a good way to good way to refresh good way to appreciate all the uh you know all the amenities we have in life (laughs) yeah jake uh i'm gonna go ahead and assume that you were uh very acquainted with indoor plumbing this weekend yeah, you had me at pooping outside to when I checked out. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I know. I actually I was down in Duck, North Carolina, helping the girlfriend run the parade in Duck, North Carolina, in blue jeans. Bad decision. It was supposed oh. to be a high of seventy eight and partly sunny, and it ended up being like eighty three, eighty four, and muggy. And yeah, it was it was a it was a bad call. But hey. Damn. I saved a kid from getting run over by a bicycle. So, oh, congratulations! Heroes. Jake's well hero moment, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, right. Move, move this guy care. up your hero draft boards. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys, we're, we're going to dive right in because uh, we are we're, we're moving fast. We're moving fast. We're moving furious on uh, the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast now. So today's episode, here's what we're going to do. This is an idea we're going to revisit a lot during the summer because now we're talking about. Who do we want on our teams? Who do we want to target in drafts and auctions? How are we going to go about getting these guys? How are we going to go about building these teams? We know that so much of this is determined not necessarily by the player himself, but by the cost of acquiring said player. So we are calling today's episode In, Out, or No Doubt. In means you are in on the player at ADP. Out obviously means that you're out on the player at ADP. No doubt that means not only are you in on him, but you're willing to reach a little bit to get this guy on your team. As I said, we are going to be revisiting this idea over these next two months leading into the heart of draft season. So each time we come back to this, the the, the players in question will have 
a sort of theme to them. So this episode's theme, fantasy football's potentially bright new lights. Guys who we know a little bit, we do have one rookie in here, but we know these guys a little bit. We have reason to believe that there could be big things in store for them in 2022, but those big things would be a departure from what we've known for them to this point of their careers. And so we're talking about these guys maybe being those sorts of breakout players that you talk about, ascending to new heights, and not only ascending to those heights, but then those heights being the new uh, normal for them, the new floor for them. Think Justin Jefferson in 2021. Not necessarily saying these guys are going to be a Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson had that year that he had last year, and now we have new expectations for him for 2022 and beyond. So in, out, no doubt, fantasy football's potentially new Bright lights. Jake Seeley, let's get started with Javante Williams. He has an ADP since June 1st in NFFC drafts of 16.55. That makes him the RB9 in a typical draft. At that price, in, out, or no doubt? Out. I will have, at this point, no Javante Williams. And I love Javante Williams. Let's be clear about that. And it really just comes down to, I expect a bigger timeshare going towards Javante Williams this year, but I don't expect the timeshare to go away. You know, you can't ignore the fact that Melvin Gordon is back. And yes, they basically waited till the last possible moment and did everything they could to not bring back Melvin Gordon. But Melvin Gordon at this point of his career is still a factor into a mixed backfield. So if you're talking 65-35, which would be actually on the high end of splits in today's NFL, it's still a split. It's still some lost touches, which keeps him off that top 10 tier. I have him overall in the high 20s, so late second round, which means I'm out. I'm just out at that price, but I would like to get him just out at that price. Yeah, I, I am out as well, but uh, love love the player. Uh, but Melvin Gordon's not Melvin Gordon is not acting like someone who's ready to settle into a complimentary role. He's talked about he, saying he's game for the competition. Mm-hmm. He plans to you know plans to give Javante a run for his money. So. Um, yeah, I agree with Jake that there's some sizable sharing of this workload, and I have him at RB12, which means I'm close, but like when you're talking about that early, a three RB difference when you're talking about you know RB1s is, is pretty sizable. It might be a little bit less when I'm talking RB20 versus RB23, but RB9 versus RB12 is a, a wider gap, so I'm out. This has shades almost to me, you guys, of uh, Chase Edmonds and James Conner last year. And there, it's different, but it has shades of it. And I remember all of us sitting here probably about a year ago, maybe 11 months ago, saying you take whichever Cardinals back is going to cost you less because these guys are clearly going to be sharing the backfield. And James Conner ended up being one of the biggest return on investment players of last season. Part of that was aided by the Chase Edmonds injury, but it wasn't all the Chase Edmonds injury. And so I think we could see something similar here. I'm out as well. I'll make this one unanimous. I, I do think what you said, Jake, is worth acknowledging that the Broncos really did explore every possible avenue before bringing Melvin Gordon back. This is a new coaching staff, so you can't just assume copy and paste from last year. I think we're all probably in agreement that Javante Williams maybe does even step up a little bit of the share from what he had a season ago. But yeah, Melvin Gordon, 203 carries, 918 yards, caught 28 passes for 213, scored 10 touchdowns last year. Like no one no one's got this guy chalked up as, you know, a surefire top 10 running back in the NFL. But he can play. He can still play. He's still going to have a role. I also, you know, Funston, as our resident Seattle expert, I mean, do we worry a little bit? I think I worry a little bit about the potential receiving upside for Javante Williams playing alongside Russell Wilson. Um, Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I mean, Russell's been fine. I, like they haven't, you know. I think that's maybe been a more of a product of Seattle. But there's, you know, there was days when Marshawn Lynch was catching forty plus balls, and he's not an obvious, uh, you know, receiving back. I think if the coaching staffs of the mind that they really want to work Javante Williams into the passing game, I think Russell Will- Russell Wilson will be for it. So I, I think there's a little bit there, but I don't know if that's going to be a huge deal. Opportunity cost associated with um, with Javante Williams looks like this. And again, these are just NFFC uh, ADPs since June 1st. So obviously not written in stone, but for the sake of conversation, uh, the two guys just right before him are Travis Kelsey and CeeDee Lamb. The couple of guys who come after him, Debo Samuel, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley. Are either of you guys taking Javante over any of those five? Not, so you know I'm taking Barkley. I would take him over mm-hmm. Kelsey just because of the conversation we had about the tight end. Right, right. I, I, although at the end of the second round, if he fell to where I have Javante, mm-hmm. I might be tempted for Kelsey at that point. But at that spot, no, I would pretty much take yeah. him over Kelsey. I would take CeeDee Lamb. I would take Barkley. So I, Debo and Aaron ooh. Jones are the other two. Deep, I would take Debo. The Aaron Jones mm-hmm. one comes down to that conversation we've had. I would take Javante over Aaron Jones, but... To put it this way, I think they're going to have similar seasons. It's going to yeah. come down to who scores more touchdowns. <laughs> and <laughs> if you're telling me who has the higher likelihood of outperforming this spot, as much as I've been on the anti-Aaron Jones campaign for the years, everybody thinks I hate the guy. <laughs> if somebody's going to far out-succeed out this spot, I think it would be Aaron Jones if he plays that Devontae Adams role where now he's yeah. catching – 60 balls over the course of the right. season. And so I would actually go Aaron Jones for the higher ceiling. Yeah, I have Aaron Jones ranked ahead of him. In a full PPR, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it gets a little bit cloudier as you kind of you know step back from the PPR ledge a little bit. But uh, I'm Aaron Jones in half PPR as well. Standard, I would probably lean uh, Javante. A little esoteric here, but I'm duty-bound to mention it as a proud Wisconsin ba- Badger graduate. Um, you know, last two times you get Wisconsin, or last time you got Wisconsin and North Carolina together, Badgers ended Roy Williams' career a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, Wisconsin's got one up <laughs> on North Carolina. That's what we're looking at here with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Our next player for in out or no doubt is Kyle Pitts, his ADP, 34.39. Obviously, that makes him the tight end three. Funst, did you take this one away first? You in, out, or no doubt on Kyle Pitts? Uh, I am in because I have met tight end three. I was going to quickly look up my overall, but I think I'm probably right in that uh, round three range yeah. on End him. of the third yeah. round in a 12-teamer. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's sheer volume and um, just the fact that what, you know, Thousand yard, thousand yard tight end rookies are a rare breed, and um, you know, and we talked about this. And Jake talks about this all the time. He's not really a tight end, so um, this is this is the alpha in this passing offense. And Marcus Mariota would think what you want of him, but he he has a decent history of throwing to the tight end at least in the past, and um, he'll have no choice. <laughs> so to mm-hmm. me, it's just going to be when we see volume is king. This is going to be one of the poster players for that in 2022. I think I so I'm in and out honestly because I'm I'm in. I am a tight end three, and we've talked about that. that. That's not the problem I have. There is when it comes down to the round range. I'm a little bit out. I'm in the fourth round, so it's not that big of a difference. I could see myself being in depending on how I started my draft and what the board is looking like. So I don't want to say I'm completely out at that. Now, this 
let's also I was one in last year taking him in the fifth round. So this is a one round jump for me. I just think the two round jump into the third round. Again, it comes down to as you're probably going to reference is who's going around and Beller's the opportunity cost. If I'm looking at my 30s, I'm still looking at Deontay Johnson and Keenan Allen and Mari Cooper and DJ Moore. It's just and I love you. Your reference is I love, love Kyle Pitts. It's just when I'm talking about wide receivers of those caliber, and yes, he essentially is a wide receiver, I'm still going to mm-hmm. take them slightly. If it was Matt Ryan, I'd take Kyle Pitts. But it just comes down to Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter over the course of the season, and I'm a Ritter fan. It's just there's a big difference between going from Matt Ryan to those two quarterbacks. Yep, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I'm in. I'm, I'm more with Funston on this one. Um, you know, we've talked a lot. I'm, I'm also a Stronger little uncomfortable. In. What's up? A stronger in than my in, like I'm, a, I'm my, kind of straddle the doorway. Is, <laughs> my in is my in is definitely stronger uh, than yours. I, I think so. Like so, right before him, uh, Cam Akers, James Conner, Michael Pittman. I'm probably taking all three. Uh, maybe not Conner, but the point is, I'm taking Akers. I'm taking Pittman. So I don't. I'm not really gonna. I can't say like, oh, I'm no doubt because I'm, I'm gonna reach for him. And then you get to the like, I'm certainly not taking him over Keenan Allen or T Higgins, who are the next couple of guys up on the chart. Let me go down. Jalen Waddle, Travis Etienne, Deontay Johnson, Brees Hall. We're going to talk about a few of these guys as I'm rattling them off here. Um, I, I mean, I think that's a totally fair spot for Kyle Pitts. I'm with Funston in that. He had 68 grabs on 110 targets last year. And, like, in what world do those numbers not go up? In what world does the 110 not go up pretty comfortably this season? Mm. We all know the one touchdown is completely anomalous. He is obviously going to have some positive regression uh, in the touchdown department. So I just see a world where – he doesn't even like improve that much. And we even bake in a little bit of quarterback regression going from Matt Ryan to uh, to Marcus Mariota. Kyle Pitts' game doesn't get that much better. We're not asking him to suddenly become this transformative tight end, which he can. And he still gets like 130 targets that turns into 1,150 yards and six touchdowns. No, and, that's and so I'm pretty comfortably fair. in yeah. at the price. And for so in the projections, like the Dom Lujavi or process last name, Brandon, you help me with uh, that. For, it's a uh, Lushision. Lushision. So yep. Everybody knows he has. Oh, Bella, you beat me to it. Value over <laughs> replacement right, player. Right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> yes. It's the one that I used for hockey, which he you know worked with me to build it for fantasy mm-hmm. for football. And Kyle Pitts is fifty five percent, which puts him in the wide receiver range of the guys I mentioned of Amari Cooper, Pittman. Allen Robinson, Metcalf, Moore, and that type of stuff. Running back, that puts him around like, what a surprise, ETN, Josh Jacobs, stuff like that. So that's where I have him. If there is, as you mentioned, there's the opportunity where he takes a bigger step forward than I, and I have him for 1,200 yards this year. Like, that's absurd for a tight end. But if he takes that step into the Kelsey territory, which is very conceivable, now you're talking about the op- like the value of that is such a massive jump that you're now in the 70s, which puts you up there with CeeDee Lamb and Mike Evans. That just mm-hmm. That's the range of outcomes I think are conceivable. So if you want to take them late third, I actually have no problem with it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... mm, 
real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. C.D. Lamb and Mike Evans actually give us a nice transition point here to the next receiver we're going to talk about, and that is Michael Pittman, who's got an ADP of 31.6. That makes him wide receiver 13, and we seem to have settled into this breaking point at the wide receiver position. That includes Michael Pittman, Deontay Johnson, depending on who you talk to, A.J. Brown is in this group or he's the last receiver in the next group, and because of that group being up there, being Mike Evans, and T. Higgins and Keenan Allen, I cannot say that I am a no doubt on Michael Pittman as much as I like him, as much as I like the upgrade from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. I am, however, comfortably in on Michael Pittman at 31.6. And frankly, Jake, I think that Pittman versus Pitts is a pretty fun comparison uh, when you talk about the roles that these guys inhabit with their teams, the fact that Mm -hmm. one of them lost Matt Ryan, one of them got Matt Ryan, the different paths it sends you down as a drafter going with a tight end in that spot versus a wide receiver who everyone's got anywhere in their top 10 to 15, regardless of who you talk to. It's a fun little debate that you can get into player versus player, but I am just as in on Pittman as I am on Pitts. Yeah, so I'm in, <laughs> but interestingly, I'm going to play the in out again. I'm actually out for it comes down to how I draft. I'm out because he's at the top of a giant ass tier for me. And I'm just, yeah. there's, you, we talk about this a lot on the show. Like you mentioned, whether or not you include AJ Brown in this, but you go from Pittman down to, and granted, I'm lower than most on Terry McLaurin, but I'm using him because he's 25. As you go, I mean, Pittman's in this group. Mike Williams, Bateman, Smith-Schuster, Gabriel Davis, Brandon Cooks, DK Metcalf. Smith-Schuster. What, like, at the end of the season, what's going to be the, like, even if Michael Pittman is wide receiver 13, what's Mm -hmm. going to be the difference between 13 and 25? It's going to be about a point per game, which it usually is year after year after year. And that's why I'm out. It's just because now I'm considering Pitts. I'm considering my second running back. I'm considering going elsewhere just because I know when round four comes around, Maybe even round five, I'm getting a comparable wide receiver. So it has nothing to do with Pittman and this cost. I'm 100% in. That I think that's reasonable. I'm just not drafting anybody that's kind of in this spot. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm sort of like Jake. I'm sort of in out. I have him at 37 overall. I have him at wide receiver 16. So I'm kind of close in spots, but but just lagging behind in both. I, I You know, Michael Pittman to me is a – what I see as a guy who's 
Got a lower ceiling and high floor. Seems like a pretty safe guy, but in a offense, when Jonathan Taylor's rolling, it's going to be mm-hmm. kind of conservative. If Paris Campbell actually stays healthy, and Alec Pierce is what he, they, they think he's going to be, and yeah. they're throwing to Naheem Hines more, and they get more out of the tight end this year, I think we're just going to see a very solid, safe Michael Pittman. And for me, when we're talking about those receivers in that area, I'm just going to edge the guys that have a little bit more upside uh just ahead of him so i think he's a safe pick but it's just kind of for me he's going to be the guy that's going to be sort of the would, last in that tier would you have fun would you just say keenan allen yeah like, you know it's numbers funny. wise i totally yeah. i totally in my head was thinking keenan allen as i'm kind of was waiting while you were talking i was looking at his numbers and just kind of going over him again and, and keenan allen jumps out to me as the kind of guy he is just not full keenan allen yet so and not in the Keenan Allen situation. Keenan Allen is the guy I'd rather have because tied to Justin Herbert, tied it to a, an offense that I, I like a little bit better for the receivers. Are you taking AJ Brown over him, Funston? Uh, I I am. I have him ranked ahead. Uh, it's again, it's close. It's AJ Brown's. You know, it's it's the ceiling that he mm-hmm. brings. A little bit higher in my mind. Jalen Waddle versus Michael Pittman. Slightly. Yeah, Pittman. actually, Jalen Waddle's one ahead of, of Pittman of mine. So I, then, I, I have Waddle at 15 and Pittman at 16. Are we all Deontay Johnson over Pittman? Jake, oh, I know yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually, to those ones that you mentioned, I have them sandwiched between Brown and Waddle. And that, here's the thing that I think Brown can end up going sideways by the time we get the training camp. Like, uh, there's a lot of – so I did the show with Chris Harris today, and you talk about, like, what will we watch in training camp that could change our feelings? And it has mm-hmm. to be – we always say this all the time on this show. We say it all the time. It has to be multiple beat reports. It has to be multiple reports, not just a Tuesday afternoon and, oh, he looked great catching all 10 of his targets. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but A.J. Brown, for me, could end up behind both of them. Like, I'm taking A.J. Brown over Pittman as of today, but there is a world where we get to the third week of August, and mm-hmm. that changes. Yeah, that's going to be one of the more interesting players to watch and definitely someone who we'll probably be talking about in this context eventually. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a, I think it's a fascinating group of wide receivers. And what's what's so interesting to me about this these receivers too is like I feel – and I, this might just be like a recency thing. I might not be remembering this exactly correctly. But like I can't remember a year in which it felt like such a clear and obvious break at like the wide receiver 11 spot. Like it – like. Uh, AJ Brown is let's just put AJ Brown to the side for a second because he's a unique case both with his uh with the ceiling that he has and you know the injury history and all that stuff so let's just put him to the side but like you know Cup Jefferson Chase Adams Diggs Lamb Debo Tyreek Mike Evans T Higgins Keenan Allen like is there anyone who has who is breaking up that top 11 and I mean, someone might do it, but I'm saying, are there, is there anyone like us? Are there any rankers out there who is not having those 11 as their top 11? And, like, that's yeah, a because, big number yeah, to go to. I, I swap out Deontay for Keenan Allen. Okay. So you love it. You got, like, a D and you, and, like, he's your, he's your bae. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> like, I just <laughs> – that's clearly true, 100%. Now, there's also a scenario where that changes, too. Like, I'm not going to ignore how camp mm-hmm. – we've talked about – we talked about it on the, yeah. the show about how Trubisky, like, what if he doesn't look to Deontay as often as, you know, anything from Ben Roethlisberger for the past couple of years. But yeah. Keenan Allen, for me, it's just because Keenan – as what – Funston just said, and why I brought up Keenan Allen, because Keenan Allen is just floor, 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 floor. Like, it's yards per target. There's just, yeah. He needs to get to, like, 170 targets to get to top eight, just because it's a low yards per target, yards per route run, whatever mm-hmm. you want to – and then, so it's touchdown now if he gets the 10 touchdowns, but that's just not who Keenan Allen is, right. and not in that offense. So, yeah. that's why. Yeah. I have the same 11 as you, for the record, Beller. That's – 
and, and yeah. like it's getting like that's so maybe good. it's that's, top ten. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. You, I'm the, I'm the odd one, you so might be the odd one out. Yeah, yeah maybe you're just the, maybe you're the weirdo. I mean, we've all been okay. saying it in other contexts for a long time, so maybe we're just <laughs> getting one in the fantasy football world also. <laughs> but you, you do make day. a good point about all those all those all those guys you mentioned. All like there there is such a huge t- like like those eleven guys. I think you could probably chop up into like three tiers, and I think that's what my rankings have. Right. The next fourteen guys are all in one tier. Yeah, exactly. And that's the point. I, and so it makes a lot of sense to be looking at you know, someone like Kyle Pitts or maybe someone like these next two running backs we are going to talk about to wrap up the show. The first of which is Travis Etienne, you guys. 35.55 is his ADP, and that makes him the RB17 right mm. now. Still just a theory as far as the NFL goes. We have not seen Travis Etienne suit up for an NFL game. God willing, we will see that just a couple of months from now. Funston at RB17 at 35.55 overall. Are you in, out, or is this a no-doubt situation for you on Travis Etienne? It's not a no doubt because you're in a you know you're in an area of guys that I have like Josh Jacobs, Ezekiel Elliott, and, and Elijah Mitchell and Antonio Gibson who are proven you know and uh, but he's right there. I have him at RB nineteen. I think he has room to move higher. Uh, I think it's contingent upon James Robinson who we know is likely to not you know he he may land back at some point in the preseason we'll see i'm not very bullish on the idea that james robinson comes back and is a meaningful contributor mm-hmm. uh but you know we got travis Etienne coming off an injury as well this offense looking as bad as any offense has looked in ages uh, and so like to be super bullish about pushing him into the teens when there are guys like josh jacobs and ezekiel elliott there that are proven like I want to pump the brakes a little bit. I think he has a lot of helium because of the potential just to catch a ton of balls and be the main guy there. But, you know, a lot still has to go right. And so RB19, I think I'm lagging slightly. I'm not really out, but I'm not as I'm not a no doubt in either. Funny enough, he's as you guys know, my breakout column. And at that cost, I'm slightly out slightly. It's just because I'm looking at – well, I'm looking at the running backs in front of him, and you brought up one of them, Faustin, is Jacobs. I have Zeke one spot in front of him at 21, which means I have ETN at 22. And if you want to take him over Zeke, I have no problem with that. Zeke hasn't looked like himself the past two years and touchdown reliant, and what if the split is worse? And that's a whole different conversation. But, right. you know, Alvin Kamara with a suspension is in front of him. Yeah, if you don't want to deal with the suspension, fine. I have Brees Hall in front of him because I know that workload. And what Funston just said is that's the difference. Like, well, granted, you could argue and come back to me and say you don't know it, but I go and look at what the Jets did. I'll be saving did. that for about five minutes from now or so. <laughs> oh, okay, well, then I'll pause on that for now and say the workload between the two is Hall's not coming off an injury. Uh, yep. You have that situation there. The only one I could see jumping, well, him jumping because this person falls is Dobbins, we've, who we've referenced mm-hmm. on this show, is and said that Virginia Zach has said that the injury is a little bit concerning, more so than Gus Edwards. But everybody else, you know, Gibson, Williams, Jones, Kamara, Hall, we'll get to, Jacobs, but where? who am I pushing him over? I'm pushing over potentially one guy, and that gets him up yeah. to 21. I, the, I, I keep coming back to Alvin Kamara's rookie year for Travis Etienne and wondering if that is a realistic expectation for workload. Now, Alvin Kamara played on an awesome Saints team in 2017. He scored 13 touchdowns. Travis Etienne might not have that exact same uh, possibility of being able to score 13 touchdowns. The Jaguars might score like 20 touchdowns as a team. So, you know, that's something that we leave to the side. But I mean, Alvin if he gets Kamara, 100 targets. Yeah, well, it's what <laughs> Alvin Kamara had 120, 120 carries and 100 targets. Like, that's obviously going to be the top end 220 opportunities but like 
it feels like it's in the in the realm of possibility. If you look at this Jaguars team, I mean, they've got capable pass catchers everywhere, but no alpha. Christian Kirk doesn't demand 150 targets. Evan Ingram doesn't demand 110 targets. Like those guys are going to get their work. Obviously, mm-hmm. that goes without saying. But like, there's no one here who you're like, oh yeah, 150. He has to get that many looks. And so it just feels like there's enough for ETN on top of just his own merit to like scoop up, you know, some targets here, some touches there, some carries, right, and just like and get to that 200 plus opportunity mark. And now you're talking about that guy. With Trevor Lawrence hopefully taking a step forward, Doug Peterson deserves, I think, some credit from the fantasy community that he's going to be able to put together a capable offense. Yeah, maybe it doesn't happen, but going into the season, I think we have to give him that that credence. Uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot to bet on going right for Travis Etienne. I'll say. Well, I'll say one thing about that though, uh, just to push back a little bit, is mm-hmm. you're talking about the efficiency from Camaro's season, six yards a carry, 10 yards a reception. He hasn't, even re- he hasn't repeated <laughs> that himself. <laughs> so even if you give him, let's say give him five and nine, and you mentioned uh-huh. the touchdowns. So five yeah. and, but on the positive side, give him five and nine per mm-hmm. touches, which would still be amazing, by the way, yeah. let's be clear, and give him half the touchdowns, he'd probably still check in as a fringe wide receiver, or wide receiver, running back one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. God, it's going to be a fun guy to, to watch. It's going to be a fun guy to get. That, that old team is going to be, I'm excited to see that team like get into camp and just like throw some practices up on Twitter and watch them play a preseason game. Oh my god! You're there's fun to mention the helium if we see him out there looking great <laughs> in the free practice. I, I mean, know because for everybody out there, the NFFC kind of it, it's very predictive, but the flaws that you'll find is somebody like Etn where everybody's right. thinking about the mm-hmm. thinking about him being a league. The you know the two hundred fifty thousand dollar league right. winning league so winner. they they make that jump for a round or two because they're like oh my god I got the league winner league winning upside that is absolutely in the realm of possibility for Travis Etienne. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One more back for us to hit here, our last player we're going to discuss in this episode of TAFFP, and that is the aforementioned Brees Hall, who checks in very high for a rookie, 39.2 in the ADP, RB18. So, Jake, you're already uh, you're already <laughs> feeling the, the, uh, the Brees Hall. I mean, look, we have to assume he's going to be the lead dog here. He was a fourth rounder on Michael Carter last year. We all liked Michael Carter last year. Michael Carter had his moments certainly last year. But you use a fourth rounder on a dude. You come back the very next year and use a second rounder on another running back. We have to assume Brees Hall is going to get the workload. And so judging from that, are you in, out, or no doubt at 39.2? I'm not all in, no doubt, but that's the right price for me. I'm I'm in on that. And it's not just the second rounder. Let's not toss this aside either. Look what the team tells you. They made a draft day trade to move two spots <laughs> to make sure they got Brees Hall. That you just again, I, I said it at the time we did the draft shows. Like I would have felt more worrisome if it was ten spots to just be like, "Hey, really good running back still on the board. We can't pass this up." Similar to like what we've seen, like Trey Sermon, third round granted, third second round. But the point being is like San Francisco jumped to get Trey Sermon. They just saw value on the board. He actually yeah. didn't even end up being the lead running back. This was, let's move two spots. Let's make sure we get Brees Hall. And then as much as coming from, uh, would you guys argue, one of the biggest Michael Carter fans in the world, 
I still <laughs> am going to admit what I see here. And Brees Hall with a better offensive line, an offense we think should take a step forward. However you feel about Zach Wilson, I think it's in the Daniel Jones. If you think Dable and that offense can do something, why not Zach Wilson in the Jets offense? Now he's not going to be top 10. But so offense is coming around, and Brees Hall was definitively the best running back talent in this draft class who has bell cow ability. That's the biggest thing here. I don't think Carter's going completely away, but you brought up James Conner. And I think that's the workload you can see. And that, you know, Carter falls into the Chase Emmons. And now we're talking about 250 touches for a rookie. I want most any running back in the world getting 250 touches, unless admittedly missed on this one last year, unless your name is Mike Davis. It can somehow go wrong. But I want 250 touches yeah, for a I running am, back. Uh, I am just like two spots behind on this ADP. So I, I think I'm in. Um, and here's a fact I looked up as I was like getting my big board ready. A note on Brees Hall: the last seven running backs first picked to be picked first in the draft at their position have finished no worse than RB twenty one. You have to go back to mm-hmm. twenty. Go back to twenty fourteen. Wow. An mm. awful running back year, and, and I hate to say it, but my own Washington Husky Bishop Sankey was the first running back pick. In that draft, and he picked, <laughs> he finished RB45. But since then, every running back that was first taken in the draft, uh, RB21 or better. Sankey. Oh, man. <laughs> Bishop That's Sankey. Poor Bishop right Sankey. He's, he's floating around out Bishop there somewhere. Sankey. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, for what it's – Brees Hall – that's that like yeah it's it's the Big Twelve no one you know defense optional conference we know that thirty six carries or thirty six catches for three hundred two yards and three <laughs> touchdowns at Iowa State last year yeah like so he at least ha- he he like has receiving chops he's not coming into the into the league as like this stone handed guy and, and you know he might not be asked to do that a ton for the Jets but he can't if he gets put in that role like I mean what what, the, what were the numbers I referenced for Melvin Gordon last year do, do, 28 catches just, 38 targets 213 he could do, do that and that's a nice little rip, bump rip off a re- reasonable like running number for him is Joe Mixon Jonathan Taylor like mm-hmm. those kind of names James Conner yeah. from last year 30 to 40 yeah. targets 30 35 receptions yeah you know. right he could easily do that, and that's not going to like drive his value to these sky high levels. But it's going to be a nice yeah. little chunk of production. Oh, no question about it. I mean, you see a lot of backfields where the lead guy gets thirty to thirty-five receptions, and the pass quote unquote catcher still gets mm-hmm. fifty himself. Yeah, exactly. So we could definitely see that. And I think I'm with you. Like, I mean, this 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 should be an improved offense. And like we talk so much about your line needing to give you a chance, but with what this team's done, you know, Mackay Becton a couple of years ago, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, they add Connor McGovern at center, they add Lakin Tomlinson on the left side of the line. Like, this could be a very good line, and that mm-hmm. could really change things. This could be a, a much more competent Jets offense than we're used to seeing. And and Brees I mean, Hall I would just... reap some huge benefits from that. Granted, he caught. I just pulled it up from last year to go back to the James Conner thing. To go, uh, granted, he caught thirty-seven of thirty-nine, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but mm-hmm. James Conner did get thirty-nine targets in fifteen games, and Edmonds still only playing twelve got fifty-three in that offense. Now, I'm not saying that the Cardinals' offense is going to be the right. Jets' offense, but just <laughs> it's it's for the argument's sake. There you go. Well, that's in out or no doubt the first edition of it on TAFFP this summer. Again, we will be doing this quite a bit. Nice, fun, quick, breezy conversation to get us uh, planting flags on interesting players, intriguing players as we all get ready for our fantasy football drafts, which now not too far away from us. That will do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. For Jake and Funston, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for being with us. Hey, we're right back with you another episode later this week, so you're not waiting seven more days, just a couple. We'll have some more goodness for you on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. See you soon.